How you doing, folks? This is The Daily Marketer, your weekly dose of growth marketing for the everyday founder or startup marketer. Welcome, everyone. First season two, we're doing something a little different. We thought, let's bring on people who are on their own growth marketing journey, whether they're a one-person coaching business or whether they're leading the growth of a thousand-person startup. Let's hear their journey and let's pick their brain. We thought also let's bring on people who are subject matter experts in subsects of marketing like affiliate marketing, programmatic job ads, search engine optimization, and a few different other categories so then you don't have to do the 100 hours of research to really understand and leverage that channel. So who's our guest for today? Sean McCormick. Sean McCormick is a personal coach, podcast host, and wellness entrepreneur who founded Float Seattle, actually the first float chain up here in the Northwest. He's a man of many endeavors. His personal coaching business has been his main focus, though, uh, where he has an audience of C-suite executives, venture capitalists, senior directors, and founders across a myriad of industries. His podcast, the Optimal Performance Podcast, the OPP, is a show with over 10 million downloads about taking your mental and physical performance to the next level. It's a great show. I highly recommend it. To tell you a little bit more about it, you know, whether it's nootropics, cutting edge biohacking techniques, or adjusting your approach to nutrition and fitness, he has the best minds come on the show and help you reach your optimal performance level. Guests, you know, they include Olympic athletes, neuroscientists, Navy SEALs, authors, and a lot more. I love how they start off with the sh- they start off the show by asking the question, "What is in your body?" Sean holds a bachelor's in journalism from West- Western Washington University uh, up there in Bellingham, Washington. This episode was a hoot. We talk about brain archetypes, the 12 different brain archetypes that are there, and Sean's indisputably the magician. To tell you a little bit more about that, the magician makes dreams come to reality, is seen as a visionary and spiritual teacher, and common brands associated with this are Apple, Disney, and Absolute. You know, during this chat, we cover a range of topics, including Sean's decision and growth of building an upscale coaching business, a float center, and a personal brand. We also we have a candid conversation about his opportunity to reach his personal brand's full potential, something I really appreciate and found valuable for anyone who finds difficulty in balancing marketing, business development, and operations all as a one-man band, because I, I, I personally do in, in regards to some of those. If you had asked me, who is this episode valuable for? I would say for two people. One, for anyone who's considering starting a life coaching business. And two, anyone who is building a personal brand and considering all the moving pieces that go into it. Also, I implore you, if you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button. And if you really enjoy it, share it with a friend. We'd be flattered if you did that. Doing either of these helps us tremendously in our own growth. Uh, And something we're going to throw in, something we're doing special, is uh, for anyone who signs up or subscribes, we're going to put you into a raffle for a $100 Amazon gift card, which we'll announce every other week. So make sure you hit that button. All right. Well, enjoy this episode with Sean McCormick. 
Hey, Sean. Thanks for coming on the show. Pleasure to be here. So I, I really wanted to get you on the show, not only because you're an interesting cosmonaut and humanoid, uh, and not only because uh, you were really influential for me, uh, you were my coach back in 2018, and you helped me level up. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, but you yourself are very entrepreneurial. You've started companies. You, you have a company. You sold your previous company. And if you're still involved in that, uh, and so I want to talk a little bit more about kind of like the marketing vein of your entire journey, because uh, being an entrepreneur, you you always got to be marketing, right? You always got to be selling. But I want to start off in a little bit in, of an unconventional way. So, what influence did sports have on who you are today? Oh man, it was huge for me. Sports. I mean, I, I, it was, it was a massive part of my life. You know, I, I grew up, uh, emulating football players. Um, you know, I had, uh, I was a big, uh, I was a big 49ers fan as a kid, Joe Montana. Um, my, my goal in life was to play football at Notre Dame. Uh, yes, it, it, it formed, it formed my identity to a really real level, um, um, I wrestled as a, as a small kid. I wrestled in like third grade. I played soccer and football and baseball growing up. And then I, you know, I was a, I was a three sport athlete for a couple of years in high school and then zeroed in on, on, uh, soccer, um, and got a scholarship and played at soccer at Western. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it formed my, it formed my communication, my my sense of community. Uh, taught me how to lose. I'm still a really bad loser, but um, it, it, it taught me how to lose with grace. Um, it distilled and, and enhanced my competitive nature, which is a huge part of why I continue to drive forward in my professional life and in my personal life. It was. A, really, really formative for me um, and and continues to be. I mean, there's so many lessons to be learned from from playing sports and being involved in sports. That's an interesting first question. Yeah, it's it was, it was a, a really important part of my life. What do you think pulled you in at such an early age to it? It was just fun. You know, I had an older brother that was three years older than me and he beat the shit out of me every day. You know, he would throw me the ball and then tackle me and then we'd get up and he'd throw me the ball and tackle me again. You know, we'd wrestle in the front yard with the kids around the neighborhood. Um, it was just a thing to do, you know. Um, it was it was an excellent outlet for an energetic, competitive kid like myself. If I didn't have sports growing up, I probably would have found other, you know, destructive uh, things to do. You know, I never, I never got into skateboarding or snowboarding. It was always, always team sports um, that that gave me a focus, a way to like harness my my attention and my energy. And it still is for me today. You know, I still, I still play indoor soccer. I have, I've been, I'm out of the jujitsu you know, sort of rhythm, but I love to compete. Mm-hmm. I love to win. I hate to lose. And so mm-hmm. sports is like the perfect, the perfect avenue for that. I can relate to the sports, uh, the, the, the pull of it, uh, but more on an individual uh, sport basis. I, I did skateboarding and something I noticed about it, and this is always after the fact, was 
in skateboarding, you, you, you lose a lot. You lose constantly. You know, you try a trick. It takes you three weeks to learn how to do an ollie. It takes you nine months to learn how to do a kickflip. And, you know, that's, that's only foundational stuff. And then you start throwing in, uh, you know, a, a box that you're doing a, a trick on, some stairs you're going down on, uh, you know, a rail you're doing a trick on. It's, it's, uh, and you get this constant feedback loop of, okay, you failed, you did that wrong. Okay, you're not just going to grab your board and walk home. You know, like you're going to go, okay, what did I do wrong? Should I place my feet different? You know, did I lean on the rail different? I, I slipped when I landed. Okay, I almost did that. It's like, and, and you get this really addicting system that comes at you and then you get, you get better, you know, yeah. it, has, it has a, it's, it's this beautiful experience. And, and I'm sure soccer and, and, and uh, wrestling and maybe you played football too. It had that same thing. Like you, you saw the building of the skill of it. What, what other attributes of it did, do, do you think fed into you becoming a, you know, a healthy competitor and good communicator, things like this? Yeah, well, the, the the failure aspect is is big. You know, um, desensitizing failure is really important, especially as a kid. You know, um, and we're kind of getting away from that. You know, I can speak to that as as a father of two young kids. Um, we have to we have to desensitize ourselves to failure. In fact, part mm-hmm. of what I we talk about around the dinner table is I ask the kids occasionally, like, "How did you fail today?" Mm-hmm so that we can normalize it because it's going to happen. And if you're not failing, you're not pushing hard enough. You know, you're not going to be able to nail a kickflip on your first try. The best things in life come with repetition and practice and failure and adjustment. You know, you don't, I never lose. I either, I either win or learn, right? You know, for, for me, the, the other parts of sport that, that have informed my identity is leadership. Uh, more than anything else, you know, I, mm. I was always the captain of my team, you know, going back to like, I mean, literally like kindergarten through college, I was always the captain. Um, I was always the loudest. I was always the most assertive. I always wore the captain's armband. Um, and it, it has helped shaped my leadership you know, um, and I took that into the businesses that I founded and the, the business that I operate. And I take that into my coaching practice to be able to, to stand, to stand up and be the first one, um, is, is a unique, is a unique skill and it translates everywhere. And as, mm-hmm. as the, as the go-to guy or girl, to be the leader on the team translates into, you know, I was in leadership in, in high school. I was the student body president in, in my senior year. It just, it, I felt natural for me. And I'd had so many repetitions of being the person that people turn to, to be the, the point of contact. Uh, it, it just, it translates everywhere. Um, and then, you know, you, you have to be able to learn how to work with people and, that is also a a skill that is that is so important for success. You know, we all know people that don't really work well in a team. You know, they mm-hmm. don't they don't get they don't get the nuance. They're they're challenging to work with. And and when you're when you're a a productive and dependable part of a team, 
then you make the team better. And it's a, it, it, it's an, it's a big thing. And, and that goes into the corporate world or into the business world to be able to coordinate and collaborate with people to communicate effectively toward a common goal mm-hmm. uh, is, is paramount. Yeah. And I do know when I worked in a wealth management company, they, they, they loved getting athletes and they said the why behind that was one that they were, had a performance mindset and they were competitive against themselves to, mm. to, to reach that goal. And then two, that they really could see it as a team. Like we're working together towards hitting this asset under management goal this quarter or like, you know, you're supporting the person next to you who's having a hard ass time on the phone because maybe they're cold calling or warm calling. And there's huge translations there. Yeah, it, it, it's it's um it, it's sort of a microcosm of of life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids are going to play sports, even if they don't want to. They're going to at least try it, you know. Yeah. It's 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 formative for sure. Yeah. So so what ultimately led to uh, focusing on wellness uh, with the float centers from from your your passion for sports? Yeah. Well, you know, for me, it was, you know, I, I, you know, this about me, but I've been a meditator since I was a kid, you know, to balance out the, the, the drive and the energy, the super high energy that I was just born with. I'm just, I, I run hot. Um, my folks taught me transcendental meditation when I was 12 years old and my meditation practice went through all sorts of waves and, and peaks and valleys and and through you know into my mid twenties, um, my meditation practice changed. And as I was studying mindfulness, I kept coming across sensory deprivation tanks, mm-hmm. um, flotation tanks, as a um, a parallel to mindful states of consciousness, mindfulness meditation. And um, it, as I learned more about it, and then eventually tried it and went and floated. Uh, for the first time, I felt my body felt incredible. You know, my brain, my brain was relaxed. My, I, I mean, I had a really, really deep, really profound experience in my first flotation tank experience. But um, I, you know, I have, I had football, high school football injuries that 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 sort of were always there, mm-hmm. that were alleviated just from one float. Like you know, my this my hip thing felt better after the float. Uh, my brain felt more at ease. I felt more at peace. I felt more interconnectedness. And um, so the the cool part is is that the connection between recovery and athletic performance was an obvious marriage. And so I I was drawn to it for the for the the weird consciousness experience, you know, because I like weird consciousness experiences. I, I I'm drawn to altered states of consciousness. Um, but as I began to learn what it did for recovery, as I began to learn that there were float tanks at um, you know at Foxborough, and there were float tanks at the Swedish Olympic uh, facility, and really understood the the importance of like recovery 
um, and, and the use of, of sensory deprivation tanks for recovery, then it was then it was an easy jump for me. And then you know when when I started Float Seattle in 2012, uh, very shortly after that, like the really hip, the really cool progressive athletes in Seattle uh, found me, and, mm-hmm. and and I found them. So like you know uh, former kicker Steve Hauschka, offensive lineman Russell Okung, mm-hmm. um, you know Russell Wilson. These guys would come in and float really, really regularly because of because there's just nothing like it for recovery. Yeah. So, so the mirror, they were early adopters to it. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and you know, Steph Curry floats in the Bay Area, still does. You know, um, um, you know, the ho- hockey players in Toronto would float um, in Toronto because it's been big there for a long time. And uh, and Tom Brady and, and the Patriots would float at their at their float centers that they had in in their training facility. So. Like there's this really nice merging of of bodily recovery with mm-hmm. with relaxation that came from from this float experience, and then that morphed again into um, total body wellness and biohacking and and mm-hmm. and optimal performance, which kind of kind of came out of that. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Uh, how did how did that ultimately lead to to coaching? Well. As as you're running a float center, and you're in my case, you know, bootstrapping this business and and working open to close, you know, and you had a family at that point too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we opened around the same time we had our our first our first kid. Um, you know, I was there all the time, and the, these people would come in with all of this pain and and all of this stress and all of this disorder in their minds. And then after the float, they, they had, they, they were coming out of this literally like this transcendent experience. that was unlike anything they'd ever done. And many of those people, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of, and now something like 50,000 people have come in and, and floated in the business I started. Um, they want to talk. Seattle. Yeah. Float Bellevue. Yeah. yeah, Float Seattle. So now there's three locations. Okay. Um, Seattle and Bellevue and Greenwood. They would come out of their float experience in an hour and they would want, naturally want to talk about their shit. Mm. They, you know, like, oh my gosh, that felt so amazing. You know, mm. all this pain for my car accident, you know, mm. felt better. Oh my gosh. Like they're I had, vulnerable. Yeah. They're vulnerable. They're open. They're relaxed. They feel like themselves. They feel talkative. Most, you know, a lot of people. And then that would naturally kind of, you know, for many people, it would lead to this like, like cracking open of their coconut where they would, they would really want to talk. They, they, they were thinking about themselves in a new way, man, I really gotta, I gotta Mm. call my mom, man. Like I was thinking about my mom in there or I gotta get my life together. I gotta get my health in order. You know, I, I realized that I, I've never felt that relaxed before. I really need to. I really need to find new ways to 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 decompress because I'm so stressed out. And so, through so many repetitions, you know, again, leading leading back to my me being sort of the guy, the leader, the captain of the team. You know, helping people in college, being sort of like a a big brother figure. Yeah. Um, for everybody that I knew, um, I was suited to like help these people and ask insightful questions. Yeah, as these people came out of the float tank, and uh, and that eventually led me. I mean, the origin story of me being a coach is I was floating 
um, really, really regularly. And I was loving it. And I was loving running the float centers. Um, It was was a great business. I mean, it wasn't a get rich um, business, but it was a, Mm -hmm. you know, cool lifestyle. You know, again, like I'm hanging out with Russell Wilson on a Wednesday night, you know, um, helping him and Ciara, you know, get pain relief and stress relief. It was a cool, cool business to run. But I got to a point where I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to be doing this forever. Mm-hmm. So one night, late night in a float, I said to myself, what's next for me? This was during a float. This was during a float. And, and the whole story is that what I do, my, my spiritual practice involves collaboration with my spirit guides. Um, I've developed, I've learned from, from, from true masters, uh, intuitive masters and psychics and, and, uh, spiritual mediums that, that have taught me this, this method in which I can, um, now have a relationship with my spirit guides. And so I asked my spirit guides, um, what's next for me? Like, I'm, I'm open to learn what, what, what is next. And for the first time in my entire life, I heard an an the answer specifically was you'll find out tomorrow. Like on an intercom. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It was like this, like Brooklyn, like accent. And uh-huh. I, it's still to this day, don't know why or how, but it was like, you know, you'll find out tomorrow. <laughs> Fucking chill, relax. Go eat a panini. Yeah, forget about it, you know, relax. (laughs) So I was like, well, shit, that's new. Okay, so then I just sort of spaced out. Yeah. And the next day, literally the next day, um, I talked to an old friend who I hadn't talked to in like 10 years. And the last time that I talked to him, he was a complete mess. He He was an alcoholic and he had destructive behaviors. He was professionally really successful, but but miserable. And I talked to him and I was like, dude, what? You're doing really well. You know, I'm so glad you're happy. Like, what, what have you done? And he's like, I'm working with a life coach. And I was like, you're working with a what? He's like, a life coach. And I was like, you're working. What's a life coach? And he sort of explained some of the things that they were doing. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. And then two hours later, uh, I get a text message from my cousin or from, um, sorry, my, my sister-in-law. And she's like, hey, I'm going to go to Mexico for for 12 weeks and do a uh, life coaching certification intensive you should i thought of you you should yeah i think you'd be good at this hmm. was, you're kidding me what <laughs> so i text her back and i was like that sounds really interesting um i can't go <laughs> but that's fascinating and later that day two hours after that i get off um my 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 wife got off the phone with a friend of hers and she's like, get this. And I got like a 25% raise at her work. And, uh, and she's working with a life coach now. Like she worked with a life coach. And now she's going to get a, she's going to get a 25% pay bump because she asked for it. And I was like, well, shit, that is it. Like that's what's next. That's what I need to be doing. The thought process could have also been, I should get one. So, so, <laughs> right. you know, cause the, the people around you, three of the four, or they they got them. One of them is actually going to become one. What, so why do you think it was becoming one versus getting one? Good question. That's a really good question. I I don't. I didn't even consider. I didn't even consider that. I, it wasn't even a thought of mine to to hire one. It really wasn't. It was like I need to be one. I yeah. To, that's and maybe I, that's just part of your nature, right? You, you, yeah. You, you want to lead, right? You automatically want to stand and be like, I'm going to do that. Right. 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 So, you know, when you get plunked over the head with this message three times, 
the day after a spirit guide tells you you'll find out tomorrow then then shit then that is it you know i i signed up for my certification a week later yeah and you described to me you're an intuit that's that's the the definition and the definition of that is you have a connection to your spiritual guides and they help you have a quickly an intuitive understanding uh empathetic in some ways i think there's a lot of words to describe it with people you're interacting with is that right that's right yeah yeah which lends itself extremely well to coaching right yeah did you know that before you coached i i I did i just didn't have a framework for it Mm -hmm. you know um since i was a kid i've had strange dreams where you know um, characters beings um would would talk to me Mm -hmm. and 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 you know be present for me in my dream states you know in you know psychedelic trips i would have interactions with with beings um uh you know i i have i have what is a what what at its base level is just like good gut instincts you know good yeah. intuition you know intuitive i kind of know what's coming i'm kind of ahead of stuff um and so at a base level you know intuit is like you are an intuitive you have intuition for me my abilities are 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 specific um you know you've heard of like clairvoyance um mm-hmm. or clairaudience so clairvoyance is like clear seeing clairaudience is clear hearing and the abilities that i've cultivated are clairsentience and claircognizance so it's clear clear sensing and clear knowing so i can tell what's going on for someone in their emotional states and what's going on for them in their lives without them having to tell me so I know what's going on for someone. I have a sense of what's going on for someone um, really quickly in the beginning of a conversation. Um, and then I can help sort of, I can help people walk down the road to have them understand that about themselves mm-hmm. uh, in a way that helps them grow quickly. Um, and it's, and everybody, I mean, we all can do it. It's, it, it's not, it's not an exclusive thing, you know? Um, it, it's, it just takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of um, repetition to develop mm-hmm. these sorts of skills. And, you know, back in 2012 is when I, decided that I was going to like double down, triple down on it. And I had the environment in a float tank to really cultivate to prime you. Skill. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. That's, that's great. Well, my, my follow question is going to be given you yourself as an intuit, what specific things do you understand that others don't? But, it, but I think you've described it really well as in being able to, to sense someone's state very quickly. And I think that's the thing that, you know, most people aren't, versed in or maybe they, that muscle isn't strong for them huh yeah i mean we all you, everybody's walked into a room and they can kind of feel what the room is like you yeah. know everybody has been able to look at someone uh, and you can practice this and in fact I, I i i urge people to practice this when you walk into a room or when you walk down the street and you look at someone like really try to see them like really try to feel what's going on for them you know um you use the word empathic and you know it just so happens that that millennials are m- the most empathic the, the the most empathic generation ever 
Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, are, there, are, there are a higher level of consciousness. I mean, if you think about like your parents and your grandparents or your great grandparents, like th- they're, they're not as intuitive. They're more grounded. Mm-hmm. They're, they're more, um, they're more black and white. Um, and millennials are more sensitive. They're more mm-hmm. attuned. They're more mm-hmm. aware. They understand what, what's going on in the world and they also have access to information like like no other generation before um but the the ability to cultivate an understanding of subtleties uh in environments and with people can be cultivated um in in a lot of different ways and i have practices and i've actually helped other people you know develop those skills and to be able to 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 develop their intuition, um, in, you know, in a way that will help them and help their, the people that, that are around them. But it, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's like a, it's, it's like a superpower because yeah. it, it, um, exactly. it just informs everything. Yeah. I know you've seen Limitless. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember when the first time he takes the pill, I think it was called TZ 46, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he, walks into his apartment complex he sees the the asian woman who's like always yelling at him and she's really upset and she's like hey you know like where's the rent blah blah blah. and he like he has this moment where he stops and he takes her in and he's just like hmm you know why is why is she angry you know like oh i notice you know she's squinting her eyes or maybe she's tensing her shoulders like you know maybe she's she's physically in a tense state that's maybe caused by, you know, managing this entire properties. And he, he just asked the question, he's just like, hey, what's, like, what's wrong? Like, hmm. what's up? Yeah. And she's like, what? What do you mean? Because he never asked that question before, right? Right. And he, he broke the pattern of how she thought he was going to react to her. And he's just listening. He's just taking in, yeah. right? And then, you know, he's taking all these little cues, kind of like Sherlock Holmes and the Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch one. Right. And, uh, and then he, he, he absorbs her, right? And he ends up connecting with her and building a rapport with her. So, so when, I, when I first met you in person and you, you told me about this, I immediately thought of that. And I, I, it helped to really paint the picture. Yeah, we we are all sending out energy and receiving energy all day, every day. We're never not doing that. Mm-hmm. We are yeah. we we are satellites, sponges, and turbines. Like we 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 cannot help it, and this is measurable now. Like we yeah. we we there you know morphic resonance is a thing. We send things out. You know you can actually measure brainwave states by without even touching your skull now. Um, you know, if you look at the work of like Bruce Lipton or Dr. Joe Dispenza, they're now scientifically quantifying this phenomenon and you can attune to it. You know, mm-hmm. you can be observant, you can understand, you can kind of feel what's, what's going on for that person. You can, you can notice things just like to your point, you can notice things that you've never noticed before. And if you, and if you're, and if you're present and you're cognizant of developing that intuitive ability to, to really want, try to understand what's going on for that person, you're going to get flooded with information. Mm-hmm. And, then you can, and then you can formulate and, um, and, and modify the way that you show up in the world based on your surroundings. And you can choose to emit a certain energy, um, whatever sort of energy that you, that you choose. Yeah. And the reason why this might be a hard thing for people to do is because they're often 
stuck in their head. They're thinking about themselves or when they're interacting with someone, they're like, oh, I don't want to say the wrong thing or I look stupid or my hair is the wrong way right now. You know, like I think I smell. It's like, no. Okay, just for, drop all of that and put your entire attention on that person in front of you, right? And that that's a starting point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's an excellent place to start. Just, I mean, being present, being present yeah. in every moment, you know, um, you know, um, to a certain extent, you're, you're, you're tapping into a flow state, a state of flow, um, in which like you and I are in this state of flow right now, right? We're, we're talking about something we've never talked about before. Um, we're, we're talking about things that, that are, that are new and different. We're challenging ourselves. We're taking risks because we're, you know, you're going to publish this and people are going to hear this conversation. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're being expansive, you know, it's a little later in the night. So, you know, we may have a little alteration in our consciousness. Um, and, and those, those are the recipes of, of like stepping into and cultivating a flow state, which is something else I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in. Mm. And it can be, you know, it can be, um, it can be harnessed and managed and, and, um, um, used for good. Yeah. Yeah. Develop your own power of it, right? Your right. own superpower. Yeah. Hey, Sexy ladies and gentlemen, that was part one to our two-part conversation with our guest. Arguably, the second half is actually better than the first, so I suggest you go and listen to that. Also, before you go, I want to ask you for one small favor. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please help grow the show with me by either one, reviewing on Apple Podcasts, or two, subscribing to the show. To give you a little background to why those two, it's because both have a material effect in growing the ranking of the show in podcast categories through the iTunes podcast ranking system, similar to how Google search ranks and organizes top sites for a specific search. To sweeten the deal, we're going to do something a little special. If you review the show on Apple Podcasts, I'm going to enter you into a $50 Amazon gift card raffle, which we're going to announce the winner of every other Thursday. It's simple. Review the show on Apple Podcasts. It's that little purple podcast app on your phone. Scroll to the bottom of the show and hit add review. 10 words, 10 seconds, very easy. You'll be entered into a $50 Amazon gift card raffle, which we're going to announce the winner of every other Thursday. It's free money, y'all. You got to love that. If you wouldn't mind doing that, that would be freaking amazing. Thank you. Take care and good night.